three, two, one, and there he is playing with his phone. Hello. Oh god, I'm busted. I'm just dropping an Instagram story. You playing? I just people know. It, it was purely BBO show business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> busted. I mean, Can't hide. Clans. I mean, it sounds like Raid popular. Shadow Legends. Raid Shadow Legends is a big one right now. They're the oh. one with the big marketing budget. There's always one. Uh, one game that is just spending a lot of money. It's the same with yeah. the podcasts. Um, there are certain, what is it, Squarespace, Casper mattresses, where, uh, where, uh, uh, Raycon earbuds. These are yeah. like massive budgets. Yeah. Uh, Fiverr.com is spending an incredible amount of money in YouTube ads as well. Oh, they're talking to I haven't seen yeah. that for some reason. They've got a really like, they've got a curated uh, Fiverr.com advert mm. where there's a lady uh, and she's basically saying, uh, surely your time is worth more than not using Fiverr.com. Like, it's not busy enough as it is. It's very strong. It's very strong. Uh, but I think they're just really, it's like a classic television advert, really highly curated, and they're just playing it on loop. Like, I'm, I'm seeing it all the time. So it's almost like, yeah, that lady's head is in my mind, and the advert and the message, uh, the colours. For some reason. So that actually leads into what we're going to be talking about today, is about mm. that kind of extremely targeted market so fiverr know who you are they know that you use fiverr or you're the most likely person to be using fiverr fiverr for those of you who don't know is a um it's kind of a marketplace where you can hire people for their skills so if you need a website done you can hire somebody um to build a website for you so you aren't slaving over over the technology you're not spending your time you hire uh, somebody who's much more skilled to do it for you and fiverr has a huge range of services like literally anything you can think of um, mm. So the fact that they are appealing to you as a business owner is smart. Um, they are talking to the right market. And that is what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about who we are marketing to. Yeah, and, and that's essential because yesterday we spoke about um, identifying your business niche within the baton system that we teach. And, you know, it's all great marketing. It's all great looking at the amazing tools and techniques out there. It's all good learning how to become a drop shipping expert, um, ship something from China, never touch the product, sell it online. Like that's all great stuff. But without a fundamental business idea that can be validated, is there a market for it? Are there people that are going to pay for it? Are there people who will be satisfied? So once they exchange that value, um, the product, they give us cash for it. Will there be a level of satisfaction? Will they be happy with the experience? And also, will the idea and that flow generate a profit so that you can grow, reinvest, sharpen your product, enter new markets, so and so forth. So yesterday, Monday, we spoke about that in a hell of a lot of detail. What is a business? Uh, what is a niche? How narrow should, should your niche be? And the big thing that we want you to have an outcome at the end of this week is be left with a statement, a statement which says, I help certain people to do something through this mechanism so that they can get this result and we break that down into a few headline questions which is who are you serving what are you providing for them how are you going to provide that what are the results and then finally why you why is it that you are going to be providing them that value Uh, and we'll be diving into that so these headline questions we're now answering through the week so we are in the first headline question which is i help who who are you helping and who are you providing value for that's the key 
So that's the question. That's the big headline question. And we're going to help you determine that by the end of today's show. So another word for who, who it is you're serving, who it is um, you are selling to eventually. Um, another word for this is market. You might have heard this term. Um, you might not have necessarily really thought about what market means. Um, a market is literally where there is a buyer and a seller. If I have a good or something of value that I want to sell and there is someone to will willing to buy it for me, that's a market. Even if it's just two people, that's still a transaction between two people. That's a market. We're looking for something obviously a bit bigger than just two people. Um, but we use this term market uh, without necessarily thinking about what it is. So it is handy to know that it consists of two different things, buyers and sellers or supply mm -hmm. and demand. You need to think of both sides of this coin when you're thinking about a market. Um, so I just want to highlight that just in case other pe people are like, well, what's this market? We're not talking about a physical market where you go to like with market stalls. We're talking mm -hmm. about online markets in this particular instance. And all it means is there are buyers and there are sellers. That's all. Yeah, but but I like the example of a physical market, a market because that's pretty much how it started. You know, with the, with the whole trade. Uh, first, it was a barter system. They they assume. Uh, then there was a marketplace. Now, if you had a market stall in that marketplace and customers came through the door, great. But nobody purchased from your stall, then there's no buyers for your product. You know, that's you're in the marketplace, but you have nothing that people want. Uh, it could be the opposite. People can come into your market store and they buy all of your products. Okay, now you've got customers for your product. Now this can that example there can be taken into the online world, the marketplace as a whole, as a good example. Just to understand, you know, if you're selling apples, does somebody want to purchase your apples? In terms of a very simplistic example. Mm -hmm. Um, so what we need is when we when we're answering the question on who. Absolutely, the fact that we're we're very much talking about is there a marketplace? Uh, we need the market to exist, but we also need the market to be large enough to run a sustainable business. Which means it doesn't have to be in the millions and millions and millions, hundreds of millions, but it also can't be two, five, six, seven people. So we have to find, I guess, a, a marketplace which is small enough to make our product profitable our idea profitable once we've run it through the baton system yeah i want to call you out on the word small though um okay what it needs to be it needs to be niche so we need that's, to know that's the word. yeah it needs to be very specific it needs to be very focused that may or may not mean it's small i mean small and large are relative terms yeah. a small market online could still be a million people mm. um so when we use words like big and small uh, we're automatically anchoring it. We're referencing it to what we think is big or small. A million people might be a massive market for some people. Whereas if you're in an even larger business, a million people, you might think, well, why would I bother with that? That's tiny. Um, so it needs to be large enough that we can run a sustainable business in it, i.e. there's a certain volume of sales at a certain price so that there is enough money coming in the door um, for us to be able to reach our financial goals as business owners. That's true. It needs to be that large, at least. And we're going to be looking at that today. It then needs to be niche enough or focused enough that we can actually make an impact. Um, this may or may mean it's small. It may be a thousand people. Um, and that might be enough for you to reach your particular business goals and your financial goals. Or it may be niche, but still a million people or 10 yes. million people. Um, 10 million people compared to 
the world or everyone online is still quite small. Yes. Um, and as long as you're focused, um, and that's a focused 10 million, it's still a niche. Um, so big and small are tricky terms. Um, They're tricky because you're right. Yeah. They are relative to what is your niche. So yesterday we spoke about chicken coops and you by going through this process, actually, you will then be able to identify what is small, what is large in relative to that niche. But I think, Carl, you're absolutely right. It starts with the niche, which is a focused idea and focusing on a specific problem that people have and then solving that problem. And then, yeah. Uh, coming back to that market metaphor, imagine the internet is one giant marketplace, or even if it's a smaller marketplace that's just focused on health, for example. Imagine the health marketplace online. That's a mm. big one, obviously. Um, previously if you set up a market stall a physical market stall in your town or your city there'd only be a certain number of vendors like there's only space for a certain number of people now online there are potentially you know fifty thousand other people selling exactly the same thing as you are on your market stall and even though there may be millions and millions and millions of customers why are they going to come to you in particular that's what niching is about um so if we're all selling apples and i mean the the fruit not the computer if we're all selling apples, why are they going to be coming to your Apple store um, or your market store rather than any of the other Apple or fruit and veg stores in the marketplace? That's what we're going to be talking about over this week um, is working out how to uh, choose our product, choose our marketplace and get the people to us. That's really yeah. the essence here. Yeah, because by focusing on the niche, we can then cut through the noise. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, we have to leverage all sorts of mechanisms to try cut through the noise where we need to speak to everyone. One of those mechanisms is we need to spend a hell of a lot of money and now we're competing with some very large companies. So in order to cut through the noise, we niche down and that's an incredible way to focus because by doing that, there's people out there who already have a problem that is not being served by enough providers that allows you to access that niche. And that's what will help you find out so i guess yeah thanks for calling me out on that car because niche doesn't mean small niche could mean millions of people it could mean hundreds of millions of people it could be a thousand people but it doesn't mean it's tiny it's going to be relative to whatever your niche is that you identify by the end of the week here's a really interesting example something like barefoot running so which i do barefoot running would be sorry or barefoot or barefoot shoes you know um what they're called Vivo, uh, so, so Vivo bare, barefoot shoes are the shoe vivo is a brand that creates that's them. a project yeah. obviously if you are just running without any shoes there's no product there um although you could tell guides about it but that's i'm gonna that's yeah. a different thing so i'm talking about um there are shoes called barefoot shoes which are ironically actually shoes so you're not barefoot but it's replicating um the feeling of wearing those shoes mm-hmm. they're very light they're very uh, thin but it still means you're not standing on glass etc and damaging your feet that much but the yeah so barefoot shoes would be a niche of the shoes market which is a niche of the clothing market but the majority of people on the planet have two feet um so that means even as a niche um barefoot shoes could still be in the millions and millions and millions and i think they are i've done some research um, on that so that's an example of a a niche which is going to be relevant to only a very tiny percentage of people who are who have feet on the planet but because so many people have feet on the planet, that small, tiny percentage is going to be a very big number. Yeah, so so that's a, a great example because we mentioned Vivo Barefoot and, and basically my shoe rack is full of their shoes. 
Now, how does Vivo compete with a Nike, an Adidas, uh, whatever, large Puma, whatever the shoe company is? Well, actually, they niche down to people like me who are interested in uh, shoes which are barefoot because I buy into that philosophy. Yeah, uh, they they don't example. compete is the basic question. The basic yeah, they don't, they don't compete by niching down and providing a product and solving a problem that I have, but Nike don't solve. Uh, or at least they don't solve it in terms of how they represent the brand. They are mass, you know, they hit the mass mass market within certain segments, sports and football and uh, fashion, etc. So, yeah, that's a great example. Yeah. Okay, so let's jump in. What we're going to be doing today is we're going to be starting to help you identify what your market is, what market you should be serving. Now, notice tomorrow is when we talk about what we're going to be doing for the market. So we're not immediately jumping in and thinking about products and services. That tends to be what a lot of people do. They're like, oh, I could do this, this, and this. And they're thinking about themselves. They're coming at it from their point of view as the seller, their point of view as the supplier, rather than thinking first, okay, what do people out there actually want? What does the market actually want? So importantly, we're starting first with the who, and then tomorrow we talk about the what. But we need to know first if the market exists. Otherwise, it doesn't matter how good our ideas for products are, how good our ideas for services are, it's irrelevant if there's no market. So we start yeah. here today. And, and and one of the best places to start is, and we're not saying you have to do something in this category. That's not the reason for introducing these these areas, but it gives you an example and a model to, to, to work through because today we're going to talk to you about um, what are big areas and actually guide you through a three-step process on how you can verify the market and identify is is this niche um does it exist does the market exist is there a who that i can actually speak to and provide a service to so that's going to be the the core here which is validating that the market exists we'll take you through a three-step process and carl will will you be doing a screen share as well i will be i'll be screen sharing google trends yeah fantastic really useful to see yeah, so if you're, if you're listening on audio, this may be one of the videos that you come to the, the website, bbo.show, and check out. Just just find today's episode, episode 21, and you know, you'll know you skip about 20 minutes in to get to this point, and then you'll find wherever we are talking about the video and, and follow through with that, that technique there. So let me, let me start it off with how would we approach this um, from a base level? And you can look at the marketplace as a good starting point which aligns with a lot of people's what they would like to provide again not for everybody but this is a good starting point which is the big three categories number one is health number two is wealth and number three is relationships now these are big macro categories which allow for almost an unlimited amount of niches which fall within that and that we can identify a marketplace within there so carl why do you think these are the big three um well from a marketing point of view mm. the, the, these are considered from a marketing point of view the big three they're called the big three um, because they do encompass so much of basically humanity and human needs and requirements um, but i think at a base level at a psychological level or yeah a psychological level there's a guy called maslow abraham maslow and he drew up um it's called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. You can Google it. Um, but basically at the bottom, you have physiological needs like warmth, um, shelter, food, drink, uh, water. And then from there, there are kind of higher and higher and higher needs. Maybe I should pull it up. Should I pull it up? 
yeah, put it up because then, then it understands what, where does the market fit into. Because yeah, yeah, I think it's just a useful model. Um, anyway, so so it's Maslow Maslow's hierarchy needs and and again famous psychologists um, do plenty of studies on this and this model has just sort of been the go-to model in terms of human psychology and where we elevate ourselves from from a base level to getting into the highest level which is when we feel just amazing as as humans so there's there's something carl will show in a moment um and it's it's a pyramid and it's got the human needs on that pyramid that and is it, which is an answer let's pull this up uh, i'm gonna hide you for a moment just yeah. because then i can get this larger i have just on simple psychology maslow's hierarchy of needs you should be able to see it nope down a bit well, that is very unhelpful oh there we go okay that's now visible um so you can see it is a pyramid at the bottom we have the physiological needs uh food water warmth rest basically stay alive once you have got those sorted out though then you as a human you start to worry about safety needs security and safety um it doesn't have it here but this in modern society is money um mon money is what provides security uh so Maslow was writing more about basic human survival, um, so a universal structure. But now if we're talking about it from coming from a Western point of view or Eastern or basically a, a modern point of view, we would put money down here in safety. Then we have uh, psychological needs like belongingness, love, so that's intimate relationships. Relationships is the big one here. Uh, Self-esteem and then self-actualization. We're not going to worry about those too much. That's about becoming your own person. What we're focusing on is down at the bottom here, physiological safety and belongingness. This is basically where physiological health sits, safety is money, and belongingness and love is relationships. These are the big three markets we're talking about um, that fall in this basic needs and psychological needs. Obviously from there, there are bigger needs, but from a market point of view, we focus on the bottom, health, money, relationships um, so there is definitely a, a psychological uh, connection let me pull you up again so it's a bit fiddly dealing with all these screens that's so all good there's definitely a psychological uh, basis in why yeah. we're talking about these three uh, health wealth and relationships but the challenge we have is these are far too wide um you know there's there's certain companies that can handle that wide area within this within these categories but there's nobody who really answers the one question for everything so there are categories after categories after categories in niche into niche into niche and to, you know if you're thinking oh how many how many niches can uh, health be broken into how many niches can be wealth be working relationships etc well i think a nice place uh, to start to identify this is you can just go to amazon and have a look at the book categories and find out how specific uh, a category people can actually talk into and it's actually amazing you you open your eyes to um areas within a relationship areas within wealth areas within health that are just like mind-blowing i didn't even know some of these things existed until you start to explore these categories now if i i may have said to you i did not know um i did not know you know say forex trading okay these are quite common but i may but there's people out there who may not be aware of what forex trading is foreign exchange trading 
foreign exchange. For those people who are not aware. Then. Yeah, so so that's an example of a wealth niche. Now, forex trading could then be broken into uh, algorithmic trading. It could be broken into uh, daily forex trading. It could be weekly forex. It could be starting a hedge uh, forex hedge fund training. It could be providing training for forex trading. So it starts to get very niche and, and nuanced within that. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking to serve a niche within one of these big three topics. Yeah, cookbooks are another amazing example here. Mm. Like you'd think you'd think we have enough cookbooks, but that's not the case. Like no. every single time a new cookbook comes out and it's successful, it's because it's identified a new niche, whether it's, I don't know, vegan bakery or uh, one tin, you know, around the world cooking, whatever it is, it's a particular niche. It's a new spin on something new or maybe just an intersection between two previous niches that they're pulling together. Yeah, yeah, and it's amazing, um, and that's that's the possibility within these three big areas. So now talking about that, because it is too wide, uh, Kyle, how do we now narrow that down and start to do some checks? And this is where we're going to talk about three different checks. Start to do some checks on that marketplace. So before we're going to do these three checks, and they're going to be technical checks, um, going through a process of basically seeing if it's a red light, uh, amber light or green light, and then going ahead on the green light ones. But before we do that, we're going to do a bit of a sense check, which is based on you. So it's all well and good if you go out there and you find the perfect niche. But if it's not something that you know about, or it's not something that you're passionate about, it's going to be really hard for you further down the line to make an impact there. So yes, we can start with health and wealth and relationships in these massive categories. Um, but that would mean we're having to go through this analysis process for, I mean, thousands and thousands of niche to find mm. the best niche. Instead, we can start by uh, referring to yourself and using that as a jumping off point um, and starting with your interests, your hobbies, your passions, the things you're good at, um, and using those as starting points. And then we go through the analysis process of working out which of these might work. Um, hopefully we can then find someone that's aligned with what you're good at, what you enjoy doing, and there's a market for. That's mm. really going to be the golden um, kind of the golden mean. If you land between those three things, what you like, what you're good at, and what there's a market for, you're golden. You really are. So first we start with that. We're going to be talking more specifically about this, why you are the right person to serve this market. We're going to be talking about this on Friday. Uh, that's day five. But it's a really useful jumping off point right now for this process of finding your market. Start with the reality of the situation in mind. I mean, I might identify American football um, coaching and training or shoes or whatever as a, a good niche from a business point of view, from a market point of view. But the fact that I've never played American football, um, I'm probably not ever going to play American football. Um, I don't know anything about it means that that market is pretty much cut off from me. I can learn about it, but by doing that, I'm making my life a lot harder for myself because I'll be learning how to make a business. Um, I'll be struggling with starting my first online business and I'll be having to learn about American football at the same time. I, I have to become a master in this and a master in this. Just make it easier on yourself. Start with something you already know. Start with something you're good at and you enjoy doing and you're going to like working with. I think that's the first step here. This is even before uh, we get into the technical check. Yeah, this is step zero. Step, step zero, and that's important. And again, we'll cover that in more detail on Friday. And the first step there is, once you, once you understand that uh, 
principle, which is step zero. The first step after that is to go into a brainstorming uh, uh, download process, a uh, creative download, where we want to now start documenting a bunch of niches that you do like and maybe enjoy, or you have an area of expertise in, because it's going to save you that learning curve as well. Um, that's important. So it doesn't have to be the end product or service at this point in time. This is just talking about areas that you may be interested in, you may have looked at in the past, you may have an itch, you know, like an internal itch, which keeps talking to you about that particular idea. Now, we spoke about yesterday to get some, if you want to jog your memory on this, have a look at a website called Niche Hackers um, and check out yesterday's show for that. It's nichehackers.com. Just put that into Google and it'll appear. And you're going to get a massive list. And this, this, the people who put the site together are fantastic. They put a whole list of niches together. But the reality is the world's population is massive. And a lot of these niches may be uh, tapped out. There may be uh, people have started talking into those niches, provided services into those niches, because we don't know how up-to-date that information is. But use it as a starting point to get your creative juices flowing and also to give you some parallel examples of what a niche is, especially if you're doing this for the first time. Because one of the biggest challenges, you may still stay too wide. You may not realize, actually, my goodness, there's actually niches which are this small and have a marketplace. That's amazing. So so we're going to start talking about what size the niche should be in the next part. So we're going to be showing you three checks, which yeah. give you a yay or nay on each niche. For right now, right now though, as Harm says, just a download, just get things on paper. And then we're going to start filtering them down. Imagine this as a, a funnel or a hopper. And at the top, you're throwing in a hundred ideas. Um, we're not going to be particularly precious about them. We're just going to throw in the ideas um, and then we're going to start filtering them down and come out with three five that are worth exploring they're worth going ahead with yeah and and once so if they're in the hopper are we saying let's apply these tests that we're going to talk to on all of those ideas or the ones that come out the bottom we are going to we're going to have three checks and at each stage we lose a few so okay. let's say we start with 100 for example you don't need this many but you start with 100 the first check might remove uh, 50 of them immediately the second check might remove another 25, so you're left with 25. And then the third check will allow you to order um, what's left, and then maybe a few of them fall at the wayside, and you're left with five at this point, uh, which are go, go, go. Um, Fantastic. So, so I, 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 I think this, let, let's get into that, because now, okay, stage one is done. Step one is done. We just download niche ideas. If you want an example or you want to get... Uh, something to help you get going niche hackers is a fantastic website for that so that's the first step which is a download of all your ideas and that's it uh, don't don't overthink it don't think about oh my god is this a product or service that's yeah. gonna, it's going to take too long don't think about ideas. products remember yeah get these ideas on paper so now let's go to the yeah. first check which is a google's google trend check and this is a this is google trends and we're taking the high level items that we've just put into the hopper, I like that, that uh, analogy and phraseology, and we're going to apply this check to those items. Um, is that fair to say? Yep, that's right. And this is going to be the first check, super fast, um, super simple, because we might be testing this on 100 different items, and we're just using this to say yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, fast. Hmm. Then with the next stage, we spend a bit more time. Then on the third stage, we spend even more time, but each each stage we have uh, less less items to check. Yeah, Sorry, um, less, less uh, niches. 
Another way to think about this is if you are tidying out your wardrobe at the end of the season and the first thing is, okay, I've not worn this. It's getting rid of the things that immediately can go. Then the second phase is, ah, it takes a bit longer. Have I worn this? Okay, maybe I've worn it once. Will I ever wear it again? Yes or no. And then you've left with the final item. So that's that's think of it like that in terms of filtering down these ideas. Treat the ideas like clothes in your cupboard. So I'm going to drop you down again. You keep talking and chest on your things and on your um, telephone because I'm not sure if, if you're audible. So maybe talk a bit. But anyway, yeah, just keep talking. And <laughs> in the meantime, I will show people Google Trends. Um, I won't take too long though. So this is Google Trends. Uh, you can get to it at trends.google.com or you can Google Google Trends and it will show up. Um, what this allows us to do is to see the traffic um, and the interest in particular topics in particular subjects over time on Google. And that means because Google has been around since around 2004, maybe a bit longer, but at least they have data from 2004, we can see the interest in a particular topic over um, the last, gosh, what is that, 16 years. Um, and we can see things going up and down. Now, this doesn't actually give us a an absolute number. It doesn't say, okay, there are 60 million people interested in this topic. All it gives us is this index. So if you can see, yeah, hopefully that's visible. Um, if you can see on this left axis, it has zero to 100. That gives us a relative gauge of interest. But right now we have nothing to compare it to. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you uh, three or four benchmark niches. We're gonna use that as kind of a, um, a range in which we want our niche to land. If it goes far too high, that means the niche is too big. And if it goes below this uh, this range, it means the niche is too small. It's easier if I show you what I mean. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to plug in a couple of niches I know work uh, based on personal experience, based on other people who are succeeding in these niches and general quantitative research. Um, now the ones are learn Chinese, which is obviously businesses. Um, second one is, let me pull this over, speed reading, does very well. Self-publishing. And learn Java. Java is a, what is it? Java is a programming language. You don't need to know about it that's fine so i'm going to get rid of this 2004 to present and instead take it to the past 12 months so this gives me a much narrower uh, range and i'm not looking at things that are going up or down over time we will look at those later because we want to find a growing market but we'll get to that in a moment so what this has given us is a range now i'm not actually liking this chinese here uh, chinese had a massive jump in interest apparently in march this year, learning Chinese, which is interesting. That must be coronavirus related, but that's fine. So I'm going to get rid of Chinese for now because that is no longer useful for me. These industries will change over time. So a good thing to do is to keep uh, updated in the Slack group and I will change these benchmark industries as necessary. Like from now on, I will not use to learn Chinese, whereas previously I did. Now you can see all three of these are roughly within the same range. And the main thing is that I can now add an additional comparison. What that additional comparison will do is show me if a niche is 
way too big or way too small. Um, so let's start with something that's probably going to be huge, Pilates. Right, you can see my safe range has now disappeared. It's now flat along this bottom, um, along the bottom of the chart. We want the niche that we are aiming at to fall within this range, but Pilates is not. Pilates is massive. It's way too big. That tells me that Pilates is not worth targeting. It would need to be a sub niche of Pilates. It needs to be something smaller. I can probably put in something like Pilates for kids, for children. I'm just testing here. Okay, and let me get rid of Pilates for now. All right, that is interesting. So that is telling me Pilates for kids is too small. That's a tiny, tiny niche. So Pilates for kids is green. See the color? That is along the bottom of this chart. It is falling way outside of my safe range, um, whereas Pilates was way too big. Um, so that's given me a lot of information if I'm interested in getting into something related to Pilates. Um, Pilates for kids, too small. Pilates, too wide. I need to find something in the middle. I'm not going to continue with that particular one because I don't know much about Pilates. But what we're going to do for each of the ideas on your list is we're going to go through until we find um, niches that fall within this safe range. Uh, so, God, I should have prepared one. Let's try watercolor. Uh, watercolor, Ooh, spell it American way. There we go, watercolor painting. Nope, that's too big, sorry. Um, I should have prepared an extra one that will fall in here. Any ideas, Harms? That's all right. There we go. Okay, that's better. So watercolor painting is a potential. That's fall is a little higher than my range. Um, also, we're seeing this massive jump in March. So again, that's coronavirus. So people are really interested in learning Chinese and in watercolor painting. Google Trends gives me this kind of information. But what I'm more interested in here is that watercolor painting is roughly within my safe range. It's not way up high like Pilates or way down uh, below my safe range like uh, Pilates for kids was was so I would just go through all of the niches plug them all in one at a time uh, let me try beekeeping we can do backyard chickens you notice they pop up as well uh, beekeeping Beekeeping is the same, it's within my safe range, so I would give that a tick. So all I'm doing is I'd go through each and every single um, niche very quickly, and it's going to take a few seconds to do each one. I'm bringing you up, Hans. Um, you go through each niche, you plug in the term. If it falls within the safe range that's been created by speed reading, self-publishing, and learn Java, they're the benchmarks I'm using. If it falls in that benchmark range, you just put a tick next to it on your list. That's all. If it's way too big, maybe you put a down arrow, which means it needs to come, become smaller. And if it's way too small, like Pilates for kids, you put an up arrow, which means if I was going to do this, it needs to be something bigger than this, something wider. Um, but we'll be mainly focusing on the ones that have ticks because that has passed the first stage of our test. Mm, absolutely. That's fantastic. So you've seen that live, almost a live tutorial on how to filter down your initial ideas and get rid of any that don't fall within that safe range. That's, that's really the key there. 
Now, what do we do once we have those items? We now save those items for the next stage. Now, um, just correct me if I'm wrong, Google Trends allows you to save, uh, does it allow you to save searches, anything like that, or are we just extracting that information? Um, so if you, let's say you have a document, literally a piece of paper, hopefully not as messy as this, but you have a piece of paper, you have all your niches written on it, we'd literally be putting a tick or circling the ones that we're going ahead with. Right. Or if you have it in a Google Doc or whatever, you would uh, be saving those ones somewhere else. Um, yeah. Google Trends, you can save bits, but, but it doesn't not. mean a lot. So, so I think agree. So just have a maybe you have an Excel sheet or a table, yeah. and and there's one column that says past Google's trends, um, and you could just say yes, Y, or N, and that allows you to filter immediately. So that way, you also got if you use a tabulated format, you've also got your original list, and you can see the progress that you've made by using a a typical filter search uh, on the columns there. So that's great. So once we have that list. We then want to put it into the second check, which is just really identifying, is the market accessible? And this is a very basic sense check. And what we're checking for is, is this market easy to find? Is this item beekeeping, uh, watercolor painting, is that easy to find? Because there's no reason to make this harder on yourself than starting a business already is. So the thing we want to know is, does a market already exist? And is that market accessible? So what do we mean by accessible? accessible? To us, accessible to us as business owners. Yes, yep. accessible to us as business owners. And because marketing and creating that accessibility from scratch is extremely difficult. It's just not even worth doing. And it's, it's near enough in, impossible. So when, when we say, is it accessible to us? It's also, can we speak to the marketplace is it easy to talk to this marketplace or do I have to create another mechanism in order to access this marketplace? So the best tools, so what we're looking for is tools in order to reach the marketplace. And that's best described as tools that already exist. Mm. If the tools or the way to access the marketplace doesn't exist, then that's extremely difficult for us. Um, that's not the purpose of this whatsoever. We want to make things as easy as possible so we can start to make these tests and experiments as quickly as possible. Think about the lean startup methodology that we spoke about on Monday. Yep. So in terms of tools, Kyle, um, I mean, one, one straight off the bat that we could use is Facebook. Um, so Facebook is very much an interest-based uh, platform, which we can use. And if we want to go deeper into this, and uh, Carl's done some tutorials in the past on this, we can explore this in the future if, if it comes up as a challenge. Again, if you want to know more about this, we can link you to a video more specifically around Facebook audience insights. Come and join the Slack group. It's completely free. That's in the description below. And we can then help answer your question with Facebook audience insights. But we want to know, is it an interest? Does it exist as an interest within Facebook audience insights? And that's if you want to do a deep dive. Or we can just do a search just search your term. Are there Facebook pages that pop up on this topic? Are there Facebook groups that pop up, pop up on this topic? Are there maybe personal brands or companies that represent this topic? Uh, what are the size of those groups and fans in their Facebook pages? Is it in the tens of people? Or is it in the tens of thousands? Or is it in the hundreds of thousands? Now, again, you know our opinion on competition. If competition exists in the market space, that's what we want. 
we don't want a marketplace that has nothing that exists. That's a big alarm bell for us. And it's also a good indicator that it doesn't exist. So Facebook's a great way to start searching. And the reason for that is they have a lot of information on people's interests and they allow us to access that by the Facebook audience tool, which is a cracking tool. Mm -hmm. So that's number one, which is Facebook. What's another way we could do this? Um, So again, we're just looking at ways that we will eventually be communicating, be talking to our audience. So really any online um, platform where they hang out, we need to know where they are. Um, As a sense check though, it's gonna be podcasts. Um, Are there any podcasts already talking to this group of people? Um, If it's a large enough market, there should already be podcasts. If there aren't, yeah, sure, you can start your own one, but it's a bit of a warning bell that mm, maybe this isn't large enough if nobody's doing this already. Uh, YouTube is the same. Look for decent-sized YouTube channels on on YouTube, obviously. Uh, See how many followers they have. See how many um, people watch the videos. That's another good indication. Yeah. Um, And then a slightly more technical one, but search on Google. So this is Google search, uh, so google.com, search for your niche. And what we're looking for is not pages about this. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of them. Google's a big place and the internet's a big place. What we're interested in is, are there paid adverts at the top of Google? If people are paying Google to advertise in this niche, that means there's a market because Google ads are pretty expensive if there's no market. There's a very high uh, return that you can make money with them, but if there's no market and you're not making any sales, then Google ads get very expensive extremely quickly. Um, so if anyone's been advertising or anyone is advertising in this niche, it means there's probably a market there. So that's another good sign. Fantastic. And remember with this, I know I didn't mention competition, but we're not doing competition research at the moment. Instead, what we're doing is identifying if the market exists. So that's three slash four mechanisms in which you can do a sense check on does the market exist? because we're looking for what this tells us. So if there's a if there's a podcast on this niche topic, if there's a Facebook group, if there's Google ads being run on this specific niche, then all it's telling us is actually there's people interested in this topic. And that's a big win for us. If there's nothing that exists, it tells us that people are not interested in this topic and it starts to make our decision a lot easier uh, to say, right, that idea, nobody's interested in it. That comes out the funnel. That comes out the funnel. That stays in. That stays in. We're using this to remove niches um, from the funnel, basically. So we don't want you to go and do this research. You're not researching. You're doing a test check. You're not going on Facebook and being like, "Mm, this group has 50,000, writing that down. This is the name of this group. Oh, that's that's interesting. This page has 75,000. We don't care about that at the moment. We are just doing a sense check. It should take a couple of minutes tops. Maybe 30 seconds if you're fast. Uh, A couple of minutes tops for each niche just to check. Okay, so anything on Facebook? Yes or no. Anything on podcasts, on YouTube? uh, Is anyone running ads? And then from that, it's going to be a yes or no. Um, And we're now looking for yes and no. Not, oh, maybe, oh, well, they have 75,000 people in the group. Nothing like that. We use these mechanisms because the biggest thing here, as well as are people interested in it, is... If there's no marketplace for this, even on the most popular platforms such as podcast, such as Facebook, such as YouTube, such as Google, we don't have a way to talk to them because they're not searching for it. There's no interest in this as well. So even within these amazing tools, 
we can't access these customers because they sort of don't exist or there's nothing that signifies to us or indicates to us that they exist. So this is valuable information that we're collecting right now. Yeah. 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 Okay. So again, that's it. 30 seconds to check. One minute tops. Uh, yes or no. We're mainly looking for no's here. They don't exist on Facebook. They don't really exist online um, for you. And that's fine. So you just move on, cross them off. And then we're moving on to the third stage of our right. So, So now just imagine that you've got your niche ideas, whether they're tabulated or whether you've literally drawn a funnel on a piece of paper and drawn some lines within each test, up to you. But now what we should have is less items on the list or items which we've now narrowed down because we've removed items that, that just haven't, you know, ticked the box for test number one, test number two. So now we if you started with a hundred and you still have a hundred, you're being too nice. Um, too nice, too yeah, too gentle. You're keeping the clothes in the drawer. Yeah, don't get attached to the niche. It's not your niche yet. Maybe it's something that you really want to get into, but if there's no market, it, it doesn't matter. It's just going to yeah. be a waste of time. Um, we're saving you time, money, energy, heartache. Um, we're just saving all of that by when taking this early sense check approach, which most people miss. By the way, most people aren't even aware of the Google Trend search. Most people aren't aware of uh, websites like niche hackers that like, and, and I think the point here is, which is quite interesting for the audience to hear. And I didn't realize this in the early days of, of marketing, which is, which is, if you think that your idea is really original, you, you think, think that your, you think your product idea, you think your product, yeah, our send backwards, it's totally the wrong way to do it's it. Totally wrong day. And, and then when you go onto a website like niche hackers, you're like, Oh my goodness, everybody's thought of this and more. These ideas have been really dealt. This, oh my god, there's a book on this topic. So I think if this sense check acts as a big wake up call, but we have to be ruthless with it because we don't want to waste time, money, cash, going to somebody and paying them thousands of pounds for a website on an idea that hasn't even been verified yet. Yeah. So certainly work through this process. So, okay, Carl, on to the third uh, method, which is now a deeper. Uh, deeper process because we should have only a handful now uh, left, you know, five, ten, fifteen tops. Yeah, again, you should have yeah maybe ten percent of your mm. original group left over. Remember, you can all, always refill the hopper if you've run out. That's great. It doesn't mean you failed the process or the process is wrong. It means the ideas you put in have failed uh, through the checks and they weren't worth wasting your time on. So it's good to know. Uh, you can just feed more ideas in. Yeah. You should still have around 10% though at this point. Depends what you put in at the top. Um, so for each of these, we are going to go into a deeper dive and we are basically going to check five different areas and we're going to give it a yes or a no on each. Um, mm. What this will allow us to do is compare the different niches at the end of this. So we might have one that passes all five and that means it's very attractive. Whereas we have another one which we thought was pretty good, but it only passed four. In that case, you would go for the one that has five passes. So mm. we're looking, we're basically going to have a yes or a no for five different uh, questions, which we'll go into now. Um, and then at the end, you'll be able to rank them. Like, okay, this one passed five, this one passed five, this one passed four. These ones only passed three and two, mm. so we scrap them. Yeah, I think um, just just to get some context before we get into this, maybe, maybe tabulate it. So if you haven't tabulated it yet, Put the niches in a column on the left, have these question triggers, you can just type one, two, three, four, five at the top, and then it allows you to do a check mark, an X, a yes, 
Um, and that way you can do a very quick comparison. Do you want to on... draw that up? I'm going to jump into Google Trends if you want to sketch that up quickly. Just uh, uh, one, two, three, four, five. Yes, yes, yes. So, so it's easy for them to reference. Yeah, yeah. I think that'd be useful because I'm jumping to Google Trends anyway and I think you're muted. So I'm going to come back to here. I'm going to hide Tom's. And there we go. So I'm back in Google Trends. Like the first check, uh, the first check of five is we are going to, um, we're going to see whether it is an evergreen market. Now, evergreens like the trees, evergreen trees, they um, they live all year long. Um, they are not uh, kind of flashing pans. They are not fads. We're looking for something that people are interested in and they will continue to be interested in. What I'm going to do is I'm going to get rid of all my benchmarks. We're going to be looking at one niche at a time now, so we don't do any comparison. We're just looking at one, and we're going to be looking at it over time. Um, what has happened to interest in that particular topic? So let's start. Oh gosh, coronavirus is a breakout uh, topic apparently. So that would be a good, uh, good. That's a fad. Um, I wouldn't start a business necessarily based on the coronavirus right now because it is singular event uh, which is happening now and it seems like a massive deal now but a few years down the line it won't be you won't be able to sell products based on it um, a great example of another fad is the fidget spinner pull up the fidget spinner so this is interest over the last year that looks fine but what we want to do is bring this back to last five years there we go. Now that is the most perfect fad uh, in Google Trends I've ever seen. So you can see it didn't exist until when it says 2016. So at the beginning of 2017, and then in April 2017, it was the whole of the internet apparently, uh, and then it immediately dropped off. So by the time you've got to September 2017, it's almost down to zero. So if you had set up uh, business all about fidget spinners you would have done very well for about two or three months maybe because um, a lot of other people were jumping on the bandwagon you would have done well and then it would have reduced to nothing and now we're back to where uh, apparently is of less interest now than it was uh, before it existed so yeah that fidget spinner is a great example of something that's flash in the pan Let, whereas let's compare it to something more evergreen Let's use that watercolor painting. Use the American spelling. Which I hope. Oh, that's not very helpful. You can't see it, but it's a lot more consistent. It's also a lot less um, popular than fidget spinning, which is sad. Um, I'm going to get rid of fidget spinner in by itself. So watercolor painting. You would see is there we go this is over the last five years it's been consistent it's always around this kind of 50 line here there's been a spike recently because of lockdown and people are doing more creative things but over the last five years pretty flat pretty uh, and that's what we're looking for flat means it passes if it's um if it's if you see that pattern where it jumps up and then disappears it means it's a fad and then it does not pass it gets a no on this point okay so that is the first check I'm going to do the second check, which is also in Google Trends, then I'll bring Harms back. So the second thing we're looking for 
is also in Google Trends, we want to see that it is stable like this or growing. So this is a bit different to whether it is a blip. Um, this is, we want to see stable or growing. We do not want to see declining. There are certain topics that have been losing interest over time. Um, quite hard to think of one off the top of my head, um, but we want to see that kind of uh, pattern. Oh, it's really hard to think of one. Let's try home cooking, see what happens. Okay, now that's that. If I was going to do home cooking as a niche, I would look at that and say, mm, that's fine. That's a nice stable trend. Um, I can't actually. Oh yeah, let's try it. Something like paleo, it might be a fad or it might be, oh no, beautiful. How wonderful, no. So this, so paleo diet is a fascinating example here because this is not a fad. This has continued for years. What you do see every January, there's a peak. So these are uh, people trying to lose weight because they're, they're fat here, basically. And then they're like, oh, I better lose weight. Um, so New Year's resolutions is a massive peak in paleo diet. But what you can also see is there's a general downward drift um, over each of these. So each one's getting a bit lower each time um, and this is not a very stable pattern maybe something like the Atkins diet would be another good one Atkins diet so Atkins diet uh, is similar can you see each of these lows is getting a little bit lower each time it's coming down 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 so if I was looking at that I'd be thinking this is a declining trend this is a declining market not stable not going up so that would be a no for me okay so those are the first two checks um, so they're subtly different one is just looking to see if it is a a, a, um, a fad so you'll see that flat line then a huge spike and then a flat line again if you see that no you'll see that with uh, fidget spinners cryptocurrency um, uh, vaping as well has had that kind of extremely mm. high peak um, and then it falls off again so that is a no-no sign you don't want to touch that you want something evergreen that's the first check uh, the second check that we looked at is is it stable or is it rising slightly um, if so great yes it passes if it's going down down like Atkins diet or paleo probably not we're going to give that a no on our mm. part Fantastic. So uh, I know Carl, you gave me a job to draw at that table. I, I attempted it twice and it just came out a mess because there's so That's many right. categories. So, but, but to think about it like this. So on where you've got columns and rows, have all your niches highlighted and then have these items that we're speaking about in terms of checks. And these are more deeper checks. So you've got a comparison and just produce a table like that on the sheets. It's quite, it's, it's quite simple. So in regards to, so what we've covered so far, yes and no for each of these answers. Number one is, is it evergreen, i.e. the opposite of that, is it a fad? And that's a fantastic graph there. It's, what I like, there was a visual representation, which is somebody may have an opinion which says, no fidget spinners are here to stay. They're great. Well, actually, the graph says different. Yeah. Also, um, and I guessed paleo diet because... I just haven't heard about it, even spoken about on that level that it, I felt like it was five or so years ago. So it's probably being replaced by something else. And since like Atkins was replaced by other diets and paleo was a big thing and then it's replaced. Um, 
So we so, see less of a fad. It's not the same as a fidget spinner, mm. which is that was literally a month or two where it was everything. Yeah, yeah, but it is just drifting like mm, yeah, yeah. So less attractive. Less attractive, absolutely. Because if you enter it, look, you may win slightly, but at some point, this is not going to become a sustainable business again unless something larger happens to shift that. Um, so yeah, is it growing or stable? The opposite of that is, is it declining, which we showed you two uh, cracking examples of there. Again, using Google Trends. Now, the next factor to bear in mind is, is there a possibility of this niche having a high-priced end product? Uh, and there's, what this means is that there's escalation value. It means something is worthwhile. So in, in terms of a customer will pay a premium price for that product. And I think that's important because what it allows you to, to think about is, you know, we, we speak about a value ladder and it means at some point on the customer's journey, they're going to pay you a premium price for that product. Now, to identify that, there's no quick answer, but it does require a bit of thought. So, for example, we use the idea of a fidget spinner. I don't see there being a, a high, high-end fidget spinner unless somebody attaches some diamonds to yeah, it. solid gold. I'm sure there are solid gold and diamond ones, but it's not a sustainable product that yes. a lot of people will buy. This is a sense check thing. We're not asking you to design the products. It's just for something like fidget spinner, if we ask you the question, well, what's the most you can charge for this? it's going to be around $10 or $20 or whatever it is. There's not yeah. going to be much of an upsell there. Yeah, it's essentially that market you're competing on who's got the lowest price um, versus who's got the highest reviews. So with so think of something like, uh, can you offer some high-end coaching? Can you offer some high-end um, mentoring? Is there, it, Does your product have a premium add-on? Uh, so I think we've been doing some baby research and there's some premium products where They've got a chair, but the add-ons cost just as much as the chair to attach to it. So it's like, okay, um, that's that's potential for high-end products. Um, you know, you can have a baby car seat, baby car seat goes in, and then they charge you for the hood, then they charge you for the base, then they charge you to upgrade it when your baby gets older. So all of these are, is there potential for a high-end product included just, within this niche? Just carry, just carry the baby. So yeah. I, I, I have a thing against prams. So do we. So do we. So we're, so we're not uh, purchasing a pram, but we, legally we have to get a car seat. So it's just oh, car seat. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, yeah it's just interesting having a look at all of the all of the premium items available. Yeah, um, talk about a high-end product, prams. Good Lord. That is nice. <laughs> they're, like, they're like buying a car. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you're seeing lots and lots of... Again, the, the point here is, is there an opportunity to have a high-end product yep. with this niche idea? Uh, yesterday we spoke about chicken coops, so it could be uh, sorry uh, uh, backyard chickens. So the chicken coop could be a high-end product. A customizable chicken coop could be a high-end product. And the answer actually in that category is yes. Well, argue well, yes. It it has a ceiling on it there. Yes, like you're not going to be able to sell a ten thousand um, pound chicken coop, for mm. example. Um, so again, it's gonna. What is high end will depend a bit on your business goals here, um, but just use general common sense. Exactly, general common sense, and again, not trying to invent a product at this stage. That is, that's not the idea here. Um, the next way, in order to do a check, another sense check is while we spoke about high end products, that's great because you know that's an opportunity to increase our profit margin on these items. Now, another method is. 
using a common model, which is very popular on an online business and actually allows an online business to stay sustainable in most part, which is, is there an opportunity for a reoccurring revenue off the back of this niche idea? So this is the opposite of selling one item and getting paid for it. This is selling a product service and get it, getting it on a subscription basis. I think subscription, think recurring payments, think somebody pays you every month or week or per product automatically. An example of this in the physical world is Netflix, gym membership, um, razors, and you, you've got a razor blade subscription. Uh, so it's a big company that came to the market a couple of years ago that does that. I'm now looking at keeping it on topic. Uh, baby nappies, they come as a subscription because I realize there's something like you go through 300 to 400 of those in a month. I know, I know. You'll, you'll, you'll learn all of this. Um, in case, in case uh, people didn't pick up on it, Harms and his wife are having a baby. Don't know if that was. Clear. Don't know if that was obvious. Um, uh, you're not the first to know uh, if you're listening to this. So apologies for that. But. It's good because it opens up a new entire niche market. And I'm looking at it from a marketer, from a business owner, oh thinking, thinking, oh, my goodness, this is oh, like... Oh, you're also having a kid too. Remember that part. Not that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the child will have to be dealt with when, when the child arrives. <laughs> but but think but, but think of that in terms of recurring revenue. And actually, for busy people, we're looking at actually a nappy subscription service is fantastic. That works for us. Yeah. Um, but from their side of their point of view, it's, let's talk, I'll show you about a niche. It's like uh, cloth, organic cloth-based nappies, which are subscription-based, and they come with a cute animal design. Like, they're getting niche compared to the and big UK. provider. And, it's, and it's in the UK. And it's in the UK. So that's an example of, is there potential for a recurring product? Again, you don't have to invent it. Just, again, apply common sense here. So this is an additional bonus to a one-and-done product. Yep, and again, fidget spinners. There's no subscription that you could really charge there. I mean, what you can do is send somebody fidget spinner every month, like no, and so that would get a big cross here. Um, so we ideally we want recurring offers, something that has some form of uh, recurring revenue for chickens, backyard chickens. It might be uh, we send you chicken feed once a month, so mm. you're on a subscription. We send you a sack of two kilos of grain or whatever chickens eat that yeah, would be an example a printer and printer cartridges like a classic example um, but that's how they make all their money um, mm. yeah, yeah that's their business model um, yeah. okay so recurring products not one done so if there are recurring products if there are subscriptions if there are membership site uh, or group uh, paid group opportunities that, where you pay each month then yes give it a tick Fantastic. Um, and then the final one? Yep. So the final one is a bit more technical. We are looking for something called an affiliate product. Now, what we're looking for is to be able to enter a market where we're not alone. There's already an existing ecosystem of other people selling uh, products, online products and physical products. Um, basically, when you become somebody's affiliate, you share their link or you share their product um, to your to the, your customers, the people you're uh, talking to. And if your customers then go and buy this other product, you get a small percentage. Now, that's nice. That's additional revenue. That's fantastic. But the main thing we're looking for 
is the existence of this ecosystem because that means there's a market, there's a healthy amount of kind of cooperation between the different people, the different sellers in the market. Um, it means you can leverage the affiliate programs of the other people and instead of them becoming your competitors, you cooperate with them. You make money, they make money, you're both happy. And it also means later you'll be able to offer your products, your services um, for other people to sell for you and so you will become the uh, the affiliate owner uh, so there's a lot of different reasons but online if there are there's an existence of affiliate products and affiliate services that generally means it's a nice healthy vibrant market in, in the online business world absolutely so that's great so now we've got so, so very quickly for that so to check for that um look i mean basically put in your niche and the word affiliate in google mm. and that will turn up um different affiliate programs or, or your niche plus affiliate program um, there are specific sites where you can find um, affiliate programs like commission junction uh, not clickbank um, oh gosh commission junction is a big one start with uh, that yeah yeah that's huge uh, if there's stuff there if there are products great that's a tick on your list if not no then you put a cross on your list i have actually i've actually done the chart great you worked it out yeah, so, so yeah, that's that's okay. that's what I had, right? But what I did is, instead of putting the chicken cross, I started to put numbers in there. Oh, goodness, I'm not rejoined just now. But, yeah. okay. You could, so, yeah, num I thought about numbers, but numbers adds too much complexity. Too complex. So, okay, have a look at this now, what Carl has produced. And once we have gone through all of those five uh, sense checks, the, um, the ways to compare each niche to each other, we now score them out of five so just imagine right at the end i need to work out which one uh, that side yeah that side you're going to have another row which says final score now so this, just, this would be three so we have tick tick cross tick cross so that means so three three and then the next one will be five because it's five ticks and then the next one will be three you could have one with two ticks that would be two now what this allows you to do is quickly rank from one to five how great each niche is compared to another based on this criteria. So that's what we want. We want, ideally, the ideal scenario is we want a one to three niches. Now we're narrowing down from 10% of 100, as an example, down to maybe two, three, or four niches, which have a score of four to five. And now, we already know that these niches um, are kind of the right size because we checked on Google Trends over the same area. We already know that these are accessible markets because we did a sense check on Facebook, Google, um, various different places. So all we're doing now is saying, okay, these could all work. Mm. Let's do these additional checks. Um, so are they evergreen? Are they growing or stable? Are there, um, is there a possibility for high-end products? Is there a possibility for recurring products? And are there affiliate products? All we're doing is asking these five questions of the niches that are already proven to be pretty stable. Um, so this mm -hmm. allows us to rank them. Exactly, rank them against each other now because although you may be, you know, uh, emotion, and I'm just, I, I add these notes in because I've been through and I'm aware of this. Although you may be emotionally attached to a particular idea, if that scored two and another idea scored four or five, we're going to tell you to go for the four or five. That's, that's a better ranking niche, although we know that other one works, but it's got more going for it which will increase the probability of your business success once we start rolling out with that niche. It doesn't so mean the other one won't work. It's just yes. going to be harder. 
That's it's cool. just going to be harder. So the more we, more of these items we have backing us, um, more of these checks come back as yes, the higher probability of our success. And and this is taking it down that road. So think of this as um, if you've got a one, it's not as good. If you've got a five, this is a hell yes. Like five, this, this is a niche. We've narrowed it down to this funnel. That's amazing. So and if you don't want it, come and tell us. We'll have it. Yes, please. So come chat to us in the Slack group and say, <laughs> okay, actually, I've identified five. These are way too much. Hans and Carl, do you want maybe, I don't know, maybe give us four and you keep one? <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, no, I mean, seriously, if you do find something that passes all of these checks and um, then it scores a five on the on this final round, it's a pretty good niche. Um, mm. I would. It's a strong recommendation to go for it at that point. Or yeah, if, if you're really not interested in it, partner up with someone or give it to them and then they'll give you something later reciprocate whatever but don't don't let it go to waste if you've found something this valuable yeah and you've done all that research all that's taken time um so don't get don't get don't get scared now you've got the item now it's time to take it to the next stage which we'll talk about tomorrow which is identifying what value you provide so kind of do a quick roundup and in the background can you pull up the book because it'd be good to screen share the book um Ebook we have live at the moment, uh, just so they it's just so they know where it lives on Amazon, and that'd be amazing. So just point them to that as well. Yeah, sure. Awesome. So rounding up today. So remember, at this stage, we're just looking at who we are going to serve, and by that we mean what marketplace we're going to serve. And we went through a, a process of stages. Number one being we started with a big creative download, a brainstorm list, which we get down onto paper or we get down into a table form or Google Doc or Word or whatever it is that you work with. Then second, we head into Google Trends and test these ideas against the trends benchmarks, which Carl described what the safe zone is. That now allows us to filter down even more, remove those that are outside the safe zone. Now we want to check if they're accessible. Now, this is a quick check. For example, does this Facebook group or Facebook page exist on Facebook? Does this uh, search come up on YouTube? Is there a YouTube channel associated with this? Are people advertising in this space? If I type this into Google, is there a Google ad that pops up? Um, those kind of quick sense checks is all we want to do here. And what we're doing is identifying the accessibility of the market. Do we have a mechanism to speak into the market and does stuff exist? Now, we then want to go through the final step, which is just let me check where we are. Google Trends, second check on the market accessible. And then we now start to compare these niches against each other. And we had a five-step process in order for you to do that. And then finally rank it. So again, we've covered a lot, but the time invested here will save you a lot of time and money going forward because you've nailed down the niche in advance rather than just thinking, oh my God, this is a great idea. I'm going to spend some money and time developing it, going to the marketplace to then feel disappointed. Um, but the fact is there were some checks that you could have done in, in addition to that. So hopefully this has helped. Um, and it certainly helped me when thinking about new ideas and the fact that Google Trends data doesn't lie. You know, the fact that this was a fad doesn't lie. The fact that this is a declining market space or idea doesn't lie. The fact that it's growing doesn't lie. That's that's a great indicator to help us early on before we go in and spend all the money to do it. Awesome. So that's a roundup. So I was trying to find us. Uh, 
we're number two at the moment in um in the Amazon bestsellers in a particular category. I was trying to find that, but I can't now, which is very annoying. So <laughs> that's cool. Uh, show off, you know. That's what we want to do. We just want to show off, um, yeah. and I was I was aware of that, so I was I was hoping Carl in the background will pull that up. So we want to show off because we hit number two in a certain category of Amazon bestsellers. As you know, two weeks ago, if you listen to us now, we two weeks to a week and a half ago, we launched a a guide, an e guide. Um, in the form of an ebook, which is the first in a series of ebooks to help people with online business, understanding it, getting to know it, the right tools and techniques to be used appropriately at the right time. But the first book that we released was 200 plus different ways to make money online within the skill set of English language. If you've got no skill, if you've got a professional skill, or you've got a creative skill, and we had our own commentary there. And this is a research list. It's not just something that's copied and pasted. This is are these places safe? Are they reliable? Are they used by multiple people? So that, that list is available to you by this ebook there. So as you can see, we're number two in job hunting, which is fantastic because actually that was one of the reasons why we launched this particular ebook at, at the speed of lightning. You know, we, we had it done within a week and a half to get it out to the market because right now, with the situation with coronavirus, COVID-19, we may be in lockdown, we may be facing job losses, we may be furloughed. So we're now facing a different kind of loss, which is going back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which we spoke about, which is I'm sitting here, I'm bored. I have no, uh, I'm, not, I'm not putting my skill set and I'm not being industrious. So this way allows you to leverage all of this new free time on your hands and start to generate cash online, just leveraging the fact that you have a laptop and a Wi-Fi. And we've got all sorts of items here. Anything that pays you less than a dollar uh, for some quick tasks to things that can pay you once you step them into the thousands of dollars. And I say dollars because it's it's almost a universal currency. But there you have it. The book is number two, 200 different ways to make money online whilst in lockdown, whilst working from home. And that's a building businesses online uh, guide as part of a series of guides, which, which will be released over time. So that is available for you less than a dollar, less than a pound if you're buying this from the UK. Uh, so yeah, I recommend grab that. And it's number two, the job hunting. So I'm glad that people are starting to look for that and starting to replace their income or supplement their income or get some bonus income coming in from the fact that they have a laptop and a Wi-Fi connection. And that's amazing. So thanks for sharing that, Kyle. Um, apart from that, don't forget to subscribe to the BBO show. Uh, on this YouTube channel, the website will be coming up soon. So the show notes will be available on bbo.show. That's the website. That's all you have to type into your URL or Google bbo.show. So that's how to get a hold of us. And don't forget, you can come chat to myself and Kyle in the Slack group. We're available for you. So on that note, grab that book, come chat to us in the Slack group. Hopefully it adds more cash into your pocket at the end of every week, at the end of every month. So it's myself and Carl signing off on today's BBO show. We shall see you tomorrow where we're going to be talking about what value can you provide this niche that you just identified. Awesome, guys.